Okay. So I just turn this on, press this? Yeah, just, just press it. Uh, just press it down. Yeah, the green lights. Okay. I thank you for that introduction. When I first found out that we were coming to Washington and public policy was going to be an issue, I thought that it was relevant to talk about how you can be involved in the process itself. So that, hence my title, uh, Direct Involvement. I am from the Mechanical Engineering Program and I am at Baylor University. An alternative title for this might be Confessions of a Political Junkie because that's clearly one of the things that I am. So some of the presentations you've seen today, including the one we just saw, was about policy. This one is not policy comments as my political activities have changed over the years, but what this really is based upon is process. What does it mean if you want to get seriously involved in the political campaigns? So one of the things, the question is, what did I do when I came here? I came here Thursday night. I spent most of Friday in that building. I watched the House as it debated the revised energy bill that they passed just before our plenary speaker could come uh, on Friday night. It was fascinating to me to be able to sit there and see the vigorous debate and the very passionate opinions that were on both sides. There's a lot of different ways engineers and scientists can be involved in public policy. The first one is not be involved. You can just ignore public policy issues, do your job on a day-to-day -day basis. That's probably what most engineers do. Another one is where you may offer your services as a consulting expert but without taking sides. One of the problems with this is there's a lot of people who involved with groups that create very neutral sounding names so it sounds like they're just presenting neutral opinions when in fact they're advocates for one side. The a third option is to be a direct advocate for one side of a public policy. But what I want to talk about is being directly involved in the political process. You can work in campaigns of other people. You yourself can campaign for a public office. Another one is you can campaign for party office. For example, become a delegate at one of the national conventions. And I've done some of all three of those. One of the cautions you may want to make is if you're in academia, you may want to become tenured before being directly involved in campaigns. That particularly if your candidate is not the one that your supervisor would support. 
You also need to decide what issues are you going to concentrate on. There's a lot of problems in our country and around the world, and you can't solve all of them. You need to decide which ones are you really going to care about. It may be science or engineering, maybe your big passion. It may be just one of many of your passions. So your involvement may be to promote science and engineering. It may be other issues of concern to you as a Christian citizen. But you've got to pick and choose. You can't fight every battle, even if you care about a whole bunch of different battles. Uh, uh, just on a personal note, when I have run for party office, my interest in science was never my only issue. If, I, if my campaign was, let's elect a scientist to the National Convention, that probably would not have gone over very well because people would say, why should we care? So whatever your main issue is, you've got to build alliances with other people because the scientist vote, except in a few small locations in our country, is not big enough to elect you to anything. You may want to get your fellow scientists, your fellow engineers involved on causes they care about, but you're going to need to build alliances with other people. So some of my own background, I grew up in the lower middle class in Denver, Colorado. My father was a career policeman, so that he could not be politically active as a civil servant, but we were always very politically aware. They never missed an election. They never missed a primary. And I became politically involved while a high school student long before I ever became a Christian. So in high school, I was president of my Young Democrats. In my, This is showing my age. I was heavily involved in Hubert Humphrey's 1968 campaign. Note, at that point, I was not one of the opponents of the Vietnam War, but a supporter. In college and as a young adult, I was a delegate in several county and congressional district Democratic conventions. And I'll talk about them in a few minutes. And I became a Christian in the midst of all this in my junior year in college. So one of my significant involvements in the summer of 76 was in the Carter campaign. I was a delegate at county and congressional district conventions. And at that point, I lived in Colorado where I grew up, and they elected delegates by caucus system. So my brother and I, who were both interested in politics, persuaded our mother to go to the precinct caucus. And she learned some of the rude facts of politics when they wouldn't let her vote for both my brother and me because we supported different candidates, and she had to choose. Now, that didn't bother my brother or me because we didn't vote for each other either. I was a Carter delegate, and he was a Udall delegate, and we both did get elected to the Dick County Convention. Then my mother had to choose which one she really liked. But that's because the system is something you need to learn. You need to understand what the rules of the game are. However, over the years, I changed my opinion. I changed parties in 1988, and I've been a delegate at two Republican national conventions in 1992 and in 2004. And because I'm a political junkie, I ran two other times and lost. And the times I lost, I chose the candidates that lost in the primary. So I didn't choose the winners at the original time. <coughs> it trying to inform a political. A, process from the Bible is difficult because representative democracy did not exist at that time. One of the few times I could ever see a direct reference to that is in Acts 22 when Paul was about to be beaten after the Romans rescued him and probably saved his life from the riot that was occurring in Jerusalem. And he 
mentioned to the Roman uh, officer, is it legal for you to flog me since I'm a citizen and I haven't been tried? And the officer was amazed that Paul was a citizen and stopped the beating. So he abused what very limited rights he had. And I think there's many passages in the Bible I don't want to take time to go through that says we ought to be concerned about the world around us. So my more significant political involvement began once again in the late 1980s. A lot of evangelicals got really heavily involved in the 88 and 92 campaigns and large numbers of them just dropped out of the system. They found out you can't solve the world's problems through politics. That shouldn't be a surprise to those of us who are Christians. I don't think you can solve the world's problems. I personally think they're going to get a lot worse if Christians are not engaged in the system. So if you get involved as a Christian, as a scientist, as a Christian, you may or may not be in a minority depending upon where you live and the issues that you're fighting. On the other hand, as a scientist, you are almost always going to be in the minority. So will the local people accept you? Well, if you just say, I want to volunteer and campaign, they'll love you. Uh, Vernon Ehlers talked about that Friday night when he and a group volunteered to work in a campaign. The people were shocked, but they loved it. You will get some friction if you stay involved and eventually want to seek leadership because the people who are in the leadership, even if you and they agree on policy, as happened to me in Louisiana, resent a different group of people taking over. And that's human nature. I've seen that in churches as they grew as well, that the transition to different leadership is sometimes difficult. So in local campaigns, in 1991, a friend of mine who was a Christian and a science professor ran for the state senate in Louisiana. It was a difficult campaign. We ran against a popular and powerful senator, and we were outspent 20 to 1, and we lost by only 3 to 1. So that didn't look good, but um, if you look at dollars per vote, we were much more efficient than the other campaign. But we didn't have enough money to get the result that we really wanted. That had some implications for our future careers, or at least it could have. This could have been costly to me because my dean was a close friend of the senator. Fortunately for me, I was tenured at that time and relatively safe. Also fortunately for my dean, he left town a couple of years later, and about four or five years after that, I became the mechanical department chair. Given the nature of that dean, that never would have happened if he had stayed as dean, but fortunately for me, he left. However, the news was not as good for my friend who was the candidate. He did something I don't encourage you to do, and that's run for public office while you are untenured. He, if he had won, he probably would have had no problems, but he lost. A few years later, he got denied tenure. And we'll never know whether that loss played a role in it or not. But it's just a caution. There's a lot of things as an untenured person you probably don't want to do to cause controversy. And this is probably one of them. National campaign involvement excuse me, is not as hard as you might think. You need to recognize when you're looking at national convention delegate Every state in the District of Columbia does it somewhat differently. So some of my things I'm going to share were true about Louisiana, but I think I can make some conclusions about broader things. 
Most states have today, their delegates are committed by the result of the primary. You vote in the primary, and who does well in your district is how your district's delegates are going to be. But the specific people who become delegates are frequently chosen in a different setting by a much smaller group of people. And it's the delegates who create the party platforms and set the party agenda. You and somebody else may support the same candidate, but for different reasons. But an example for me in 2004, Louisiana had a presidential primary. Because he was virtually uncontested, President Bush carried my congressional district. So that meant by Louisiana law, all the delegates from that district had to vote for him. I'm just going to back up your microphone a bit. Okay. Thank you. Okay. However, the actual delegates to that convention were chosen by a district caucus in which 60 people showed up. So while maybe 30,000 people voted in the congressional district primary, 60 people decided who got to be a delegate. And I was one of those. Becoming a delegate is not near as costly as you might assume. In a contested race, you would probably run on a ticket with whichever presidential candidate you are most interested in. And typically, their resources will pay for things. So when I ran in 96 and 2000 and lost, every registered person in my district got a mailing with my name on it that I didn't pay for. The candidate I supported paid for it, which is a nice deal. Another thing is when you go to the National Convention, I think my registration for this conference, including meals, was like $700. The registration fee for National Conventions is zero. All you've got to do is pay your own expenses. Once you get elected, there's no official other cost. Another way you can save money is frequently these convention delegations are in nice, fancy hotels downtown. And if you stay somewhere else, you can save money. In 1992 at Houston, I stayed at a hotel across the street from the convention hotel and paid about half the rate as the regular delegates. In 2004, when I was in New York City, I had a friend who was a professor in the suburbs of New Jersey. I took the train in every day to Madison Square Garden, and Penn Station is literally below the garden, and it was very convenient. Another way you could save money is you could go to a convention and not spend any money on food. Every interest group in the party is going to be there giving you free food, free drinks, and attempt to persuade you of how wonderful they happen to be. So I am quite willing to accept free food from a variety of different causes. I didn't go to any caucuses that I really opposed. I only went to the ones that I liked, but there are still plenty of them, and I could eat very well at no cost. I couldn't resist putting you a, a photograph here of me on the floor of the 2004 Republican National Convention in Madison Square Garden. Some of you may think that is terribly unfun. My wife supports me in doing this but doesn't enjoy the process herself. To me, this was one of the more fun experiences of the last 10 years. One of the things you see at every convention is suddenly after a speech, there's a lots of different signs being waved. And a comment I want to make about that for those of you who want to get involved on a slightly lower key level than be a delegate, is the following. There's a lot of people in the convention hall of both parties who are not delegates. There's a lot of young people who serve as volunteers, and they're the ones who passed out those signs. It was no accident that certain signs with the name of the speaker were all ready to be waved in front of the TV cameras at a given moment. 
So if you are a younger person or even not so younger person, if you live near where either the 2012 conventions are, check with the local organizing committee and say, I'd like to volunteer. Your odds of getting on the convention floor are very high. You won't be an official voter by any means, but you will get to be in the process. And to me, one of the fascinating things about national conventions is everybody who is anybody in your party is in one room at one time. And that provides for chances to literally bump into people. You know, I mean, I bumped into the Speaker of the House one night. You know, I didn't know he was next to me, and he didn't know who I was, obviously. But those are the sort of things that can happen when everybody's in one place at one time. So this is a, not, a lower key way to be a volunteer is the local committees are desperate for people to help them out. And you can do that if you choose. Not all campaign work, however, is hard. The local host committees always want to put on a good show for you. In New York City, every delegate got two free tickets to a Broadway play. I'd never been to a Broadway play. I was pleased that I got to see Fiddler on the Roof, you know, courtesy of the local host committee, which means courtesy of some rich people. Uh, but that was fine with me. My, my, the host I was staying with and I had a good Sunday afternoon. One of the other things that encourages me but probably depresses some of you is the campaign on the presidential level never ends. The Republican campaign for 2012 began election night 2008 when it was clear that McCain had lost. The 2016 Democratic campaign has already begun behind the scenes, and there's already Democrats across the country looking at the poll rates to decide whether they want to challenge the president in 12 for the Democratic nomination or not. So these campaigns never really end. So at the 2012 Democratic Convention, all the people who want to be president in 2016 are going to be there, and they're going to be campaigning, they're going to be giving you stuff to see. At the Republican Convention in 2012, it will be more muted because they're going to hope that whoever they nominate is going to win and run for re-election in 2016. But the campaign continues. An example, when I was in New York in 2004, everybody who ran for president on the Republican side in 2008 was there meeting people, greeting people, having socials, giving you things. An example, Rudy Giuliani's campaign gave every delegate a hardback copy of his autobiography when we registered. Those are the sort of things that the, the people who are thinking about the future are doing. And like I said, people are already thinking about 12 and certainly about 2016. One of the things you ought to be aware of is that the process matters. You really, really need to understand the rules. <clears throat> the example with my mother not knowing the rules about who she could vote for. In 2008, the delegate selection process, the Democratic Party required proportional representation uh, at all levels, and the Republican Party allowed winner-take-all. Did that change things? Absolutely. What would have happened if the parties had had the other party's rules? The Republican convention would have been had a fight on the floor over the nomination because McCain won a lot of primaries by small margins, got all the delegates. The more fascinating one is if the Democrats had had Republican rules, Hillary Clinton would have been the nominee. She won every big state but Illinois by a small margin. But the Obama people understood the rules better than the Clinton people, which is ironic. Obama realized they didn't have to win the big states. They just had to be competitive and get 40% of the delegates. The Obama campaign organized in all the small states that the Clintons ignored, got huge majorities in most of them, and with that, the nomination. So the rules matter, and you really need to understand the rules if you're going to be involved.
Another way to be involved is local races. They frequently can be cheaper to run, but they can also be more personally hurtful in relationships. A friend of mine got elected to the Woodway, Texas City Council, and one of his main goals was to fire the city manager. Well, the city manager is a friend of another Christian friend of his who's now trying to argue him out of his campaign promise. You know, and he may risk that friendship over that issue. So when you get involved locally, much more so than national politics, you've got to be careful about relationships. Another possibility is to be a party official uh, on the precinct level. I've done that. For four years, I was the chairman of 15 parishes, which are Louisiana's versions of counties. I've also ran for the state central committee two times. I've lost two times. So one of the issues when you get involved with politics is to recognize you may lose when you try to do something. If you don't want to be a member of a party, all I have to say is you won't have much influence. Every governor in the United States is a Democrat or Republican. 98 of the 100 senators are affiliated with a party. The two that call themselves an independent are strongly affiliated with one party's caucus. So my suggestion is find the party that is closer to you or maybe the one that's not as far away from you and work to change it. In election, in the privacy of the voting booth, you always have the chance to vote for whoever you want. In a conclusion, I think in a free society, engineers and scientists should become involved in public policy issues that can be a result of campaigns of others or your own campaign. But having said that, I need to recognize there's limits to how much politics you can do. That should not be as a Christian and as an engineer, it's not the top of my list. Two personal examples. In 94, I filed a run for the rest of Louisiana City Council. Later that summer, my wife needed to have an operation. I needed to spend time with her, and I withdrew from the race. Another example, in March of 08, I was elected to the Texas State Convention as a delegate. But three months later, we bought a house the week before the convention, and I thought it was in my best interest to help move into the house rather than to run off to Houston for the convention. So while I'm strongly advocating being involved in the political process, it should not, in my opinion, be the number one priority of your life. Any questions? Yes? I think there are limits in, mostly in the way that you do your day-to-day job. For example, I don't wear political buttons to class in the midst of a campaign. I must admit I wear a political button on the day I don't teach a class, but that's an example. I don't think I should ever say anything in class that I'm a candidate or you should support my candidate. You know, so I think that you're not being paid to be a, a campaigner in that sense. But. I'm pretty open about what I'm doing on the side, but I draw lines at doing anything overtly in class or on a class day. Yes, Dick? There's another way. I live in a city that's so small. We have 10 delegates to the Republican convention in Richmond. There's only six members. (laughs) All you have to do is... Well, that's true. I mean, it's... 
the Republican Party is weaker in Louisiana than in Texas. It's easier to become a delegate in Louisiana than it is in Texas. So, so that, that does tr happen in many other places as well. Any other questions? Okay, thank you. Also, this microphone is very directional. <laughs> <laughs> 